Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. I'm here to kill the fun. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I'm going to baffle my children. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. You only get to have fun with dad because he's a moron. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. No is the default answer if a kids are asking a question. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking about good cop, bad cop parenting dynamics. Do we have them? Is it bad? What should we do about it? Am I always bad cop? (laughs) Am I ever good cop? What is a bad cop? We'll talk about that. But first, I want to get to mailbag. We have a good mailbag this week. Mailbag. That's our mailbag theme song. Yeah, that's our (laughs) mailbag. Yeah, it needs work. I'm not saying, listen, we're spitballing. It's not a final. It's a draft. For now, put that on our to-do list. (laughs) Nobody helped us. We asked for help on it. Nobody's, if you were a musician, write us a mailbag theme. Valerie listened to our episode, I Figured Something Out, and she wrote in to say that she wanted to share something that she figured out. I wanted to share a system, Valerie says, that I lucked into in case it helps anybody else. Before spring break a few weeks ago, my two girls were at peak bickering and driving each other and us crazy. I was dreading being together 24-7 for a week, but we came up with the idea of sister points. The kids can only earn them together Mm. by being good sisters. At the end of the week, based on how many sister points they accrue, they can get a little money to buy, you know, a souvenir, she said, a little nonsense. This is way better, Valerie explains, than an individual reward system, which just leads to more fighting and more competitiveness. Right. Sister points worked really well and forced us to notice when the kids were being good and not just correcting them when they were being annoying. I love this. Nailed it. Nailed it. Amazing. This is such a good one. Thanks, Valerie, for writing that in. Yeah, that's great. Smart. So today we're talking about good cop versus bad cop. And as I started researching like what people have to say about this in parenting, I realized there are sort of different definitions of what it even means. So I want to like just make sure we're talking about the same thing out of the gate. I'll take it. All right. So like in law enforcement, right? Good cop, bad cop is a system of interrogating a witness where there's two cops who take turns and they're playing roles. And one of them is like, listen, Buster, you're going to go to jail for the rest of your life. I'm sending you up the river. And then the other person comes in and says, look, you know, he's a little hot headed. Maybe we can come to an agreement. 
right? But in this case, they're working together, right? They're working together to trick somebody into giving them, you know, information that they want to confessing or whatever. Yeah. And there's the Lego movie. Liam Neeson plays good cop, bad cop, and he's got a different face on either side of his head and he spins it around. (laughs) And it's a really solid joke and I approve of it. You know, Wikipedia made the point that the only problem with good cop, bad cop as an interrogation technique is that it's become something that's rather obvious. Now that's been the Lego movie, he can kind of see it coming a mile away. Right. You're like, no, 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 I get what this thing is. I get it. I see. Now the next guy's going to come in and be nice to me. But I do think that when you've recently committed a major crime, maybe you're not sussing that out quite as well. You're kind of panicking probably at that point. Yeah, right. Exactly. Your allostatic load is is high. (laughs) Exactly. You're not necessarily being like, I saw this on SVU. You're like, oh, no, I really shouldn't have robbed that bank. But when it comes to parenting, you know, as I was looking at this, I'm like, this isn't the same thing. Like we call good bad cop in the house that but it's not the same thing at all because in that case it's two people pretending and playing a role to ensure you know a united outcome that they both want correct and good cop bad cop here's what it means to me in the house we'll see if you have the same definition to me good cop bad cop in the house means one the bad cop is the parent who's like no it's bedtime 8.15 is bedtime, and good cop is like, oh, come on. I know it's a school night, but oh, come on. Oh, please, can't they just stay up a little bit later that that's good cop, bad cop? Or like, how would you define it? It's not trying to elicit a confession, which is what good cop, bad cop is trying to do. It doesn't have that same role. And it's not working together, and it's working across purposes. No, you're not a team. That's a good point, Amy. I like it. You're starting, you give me a revelation right out of the gate. That's right. Like, it's not at all what good cop, bad cop actually is. It's one, we're saying basically like one parent is fun parent and the other parent is disciplined parent. Right. There is another meaning, which could be, I found a study that was for adolescents who are type 1 diabetics, which requires, you know, great adherence to medication and oversight, I guess, for good outcomes. Mm -hmm. And that adolescents, as they enter, you know, adolescents, their adherence to treatment can start to go down to all kinds of things, not just diabetes. But this study found that in houses where there was good cop, bad cop parenting, that there was more likely to be reduced adherence to treatment. But the study used good cop, bad cop to mean good cop is like, you know, supportive and loving and bad cop is the great Santini to to use an old deluxe alert. Back in my day. Amy, Amy, (laughs) even for me, I've got to call you on that old deluxe alert. My goodness, Amy. The Great Santini is a movie based on a novel by Pat Conroy about his childhood. His dad, I guess, called himself the Great Santini. Yeah. And there's a scene in it that where uh, Robert Duvall plays the dad and he bounces a basketball off his kid's head. That's all I got for you from the Great Santini. I'll pull a clip. The Great Santini is all bad cop all the time. Yeah. And then the mom is just frightened cop, basically. There's no good cop. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that we're talking about that, right? Good cop is loving parents and bad cop is awful parent. I don't think those need to be called good cop, bad cop. No, I'll give you an example from my brother's life. Okay. Which they laugh about all the time. 
which was they have a group that they call the five families and they go on vacation together. They're like the preschool families. They all became friends and they're still now the kids are grown. Right. They all are still friends. That's sweet. And so they still do stuff together, but they always called themselves the five families. And it was like they would go on vacation together. And between the five families, let's say there's 15 kids. Right. And so they would be at some giant lake thing, you know, the 10 adults and the 15 kids. And then it would become bedtime. And the kids were all roughly the same age. And then there was a very specific order of which parent went up at which time to tell the kids to go to bed. And that order went from goodest cop to baddest cop. And the idea was that one of the dads, who they called the closer, like you didn't want the closer to come upstairs. <laughs> The kids didn't want his footfalls on the steps. <laughs> no. Like they knew that basically like how close to the countdown they were to the closer coming upstairs and they didn't want it. And so that's like a good cop, bad cop thing. Like that one of the moms probably would come up early and be like, okay, sweet dreamers, off to dreamland with you, my little angels. Tomorrow is going to be full of fun. But it's time to get your little eyes rested. And then she would leave. And then the next mom would be like, okay, guys, I know this is great, but it's really time to wind up. But like by the time the closer came out, it was like, you will never enjoy your lives again. You will be locked in these rooms forever. The closer you want to stay away from. There's a role for that. Yeah, that's me. Like the third time I have to interrupt a sleepover because they woke me up. You know, like that's like, I lower the boom. Well, we've recently... Because of, you know, things opening up and older people getting vaccinated, we've had the great joy of having some visiting family mm. in town for the first time, people we haven't seen in 14 months. And I realized that, like, my role when, especially when, like, fun families in town, is like, I am the fun killer and I really don't have any problem with it. It's like, oh, let's go up. It's tuck-in time. And I'm like, I'm looking at the clock. Everyone be quiet. It's not fun anymore. Like, I don't care what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I am the fun killer and I, I don't care. I'm here to kill the fun. The bad cop in this equation is like the good rules enforcer, like on the side of law and order. Yeah, I'm law and order. You're not bad at doing it. You're enforcing law and order very well, which makes you a bad cop in the eyes of like the kid, I guess. My dad had a poem that he would recite to us. Oh, yeah. Give me this poem. It was the bad cop of poetry. It was like, if this poem started, we would just be tortured. So when we were fighting, if we got to a point where like he really wanted to end, he would recite this poem. Whatever brawls disturb the street, there should be peace at home. Where sisters fall and brothers meet, sorrows should never come. Birds in their little nests agree. It is a shameful sight. When children of one family fall out and chide and fight. That was the poem. And we hated this poem. It, it just annoyed you? It was like nails on a chalkboard or was it scary? It was nails on a chalkboard. Okay. Like the moment he would start it, I don't know why, it was our kryptonite. Mm -hmm. You know, It was like spraying dogs with a hose. It was like turning on the noise that you know, only dogs can hear. Like we would just go insane. And you had a new common enemy, which was like, you're the bad cop with the poem. The poem, like it did shut it down. It was like a kill switch, basically. He would just pull the kill switch. I mean, that's genius. I need to get like a laminated card. We should make those available on our website of this poem to just like, let's all try like pulling this out the next time the kids are fighting. Because it's baffling. I don't know if it would work. I don't know if it only particularly annoyed us. But what I mean, and it sounds like we were all joking around, but we would roll around on the ground and cover our ears and be like, <laughs> please stop. So it was horrible. 
But it was a kill switch. I think it's like someone's got to shut it down. Bad cop is in good at enforcing stuff. And good cop in this description means actually a bad at enforcing rules. Good, more ice cream, it means. I started this to say that my children's version of this, this mm-hmm. is where I was going with that. It's fun to have fun, but you've got to know how, Dr. Seuss. And it is the thing that I say all the time right now in my house, <laughs> especially at the end of the pandemic. We've been too much together. The kid who's like, if jumping out at someone is funny, jumping on that person is funnier. Jumping on that person and punching them in the face is even funnier. And then jumping on that person and punching them in the face until they start to cry is funniest. Trying to help him find the line of like, it's not funny anymore. It's fun to have fun, but you've got to know how. Are you more of the enforcer? Are you the bad cop in your parenting dynamic? Does this parenting dynamic exist for you guys? 100 million and 50,000 percent. Yes. So my kids are older. I have three teenagers, 13, 16, and 18. So there's less of the, I go to bed before my kids, except for the 13-year-old. 13-year-old, I get her to bed so that I can go to bed. The 16 and 18-year-olds, it's like, go with God. I hope you go to sleep at some point. So there's less rule enforcing, especially during a pandemic when nobody's going anywhere. So the sort of teenager rule enforcing doesn't exist. But when they were little, I was around more. So I was the primary caregiver for sure. My spouse traveled a ton for work and would get home to see them before bed maybe twice a week. I think in that dynamic where there's a definitely a primary caregiver, it falls to that person usually to be the, the bad cop. Like how this played out in our house when my kids were little is I'd have them, you know, bathe, pajamas, like countdown to bedtime. Bedtime's in seven minutes. I've been waiting for 13 hours. And then my husband would come through the door you know, and be the tickle monster and throwing them in the air and whip them to a frenzy. Good time, Charlie. Good time, Charlie. You call him. We, uh, Yes, I definitely remember you being like, good time, Charlie gets to come home. Then good time, Charlie comes in the door at like 7.51 p.m., right? Then I would be like, no, you guys, but okay, you have to go to bed. And that was self-serving to some degree. Like, I'm ready to be done, right? And they're ready to enjoy their other parent. And then he didn't give me a hard time. I was like, oh, come on, mom. Oh, can't they stay? He didn't pull that stuff at all. It wasn't like, mom's such a drag because you would have murdered him. Yeah, but I'm the primary caregiver, so I'm the killjoy. And so I feel like this often breaks down along gender lines because the primary caregiver thing often breaks down around gender lines. But I'm not sure I'm right about that. I think it can be both. I also definitely know dynamics where the dad is like, cut that out. Like he's more great Santini. I definitely know the great Santini dads too. I mean, Mm -hmm. not that they're actually abusive monsters, but I've definitely seen it as a dynamic. It's kind of like don't interrupt a happy person that like... The kids kind of start roughhousing, and then sometimes I feel like the male tends to be like, let's cut out this. And it's like they they kind of parachute in with the military (laughs) voice, and it's suddenly like, whoa, dude, like, don't stop killing the mosquito with, like, bazooka. Like, you're way too hot for the room. You're coming in way too hot. And that is something... That's like a bad cop in a different way. The kind of pop-up, super scary cop. And it's like, dude, yes, we do not need to be at this level. I have a whole second theory about this. So we'll talk about it when we come back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. 
Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? Say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. This is why I think this gets problematic. And especially in spending time with family, I find sometimes that everybody in the family gets to be like nurturey, fun time, like, oh, and aren't you this? And oh, let me listen to your problems for four hours. And I'm like, wrap it up. It's time for a homework. But I find that when I get to doubt, as you were saying, like I work all day and then good time Charlie gets in to come in to have fun and I still have to be the blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is such a story we tell them ourselves and then we get very like yes. righteous and it feels good to be, you know, put upon in this very specific way. And it is the kind of thing I think where sometimes... It is fine to have ice cream for dinner. Right. You know, but that if we're so busy in our story of like, I'm the one who has to say no to everything. And my husband kind of goes into what we call the tunnel. Like he's a thinker. And so sometimes he's a little bit maybe dialed out. And the one thing I say to him often is don't say no until you've thought about why you're saying no. You know, so when the kids are like, hey, can we go out and eat ice cream in the yard? He'll be like, no. And I think that would have eaten us half an hour and been really fun and stupid. Hey, can we sleep on the couch in the living room tonight? Watch those no's too a little bit. Because sometimes when you're like, I'm the bad cop, I have to say no to everything. Right. No is the default answer if kids are asking a question. No is the default answer. And then because it kind of feeds your story of like, I have to be the one too. that two sides of it. One, sometimes no is the wrong answer. I mean, Mm -hmm. I am the sheriff, you know what I mean? And sometimes when we're visiting the kids' grandparents or hanging out with other relatives who are like, 
I bought you six toys and I'm buying you whatever you want for lunch and it's a party all the time. And it's like, well, I have to be the one, I guess, who keeps the trains on the track. You keep the trains on the track 300 days of the year. And if you spend 65 days with people who are not on your same plan, it will have zero effect on outcomes. I couldn't get past that when my babies were little. I mean, my babies were terrible sleepers. What people never understood, we'd get into the good cop, bad cop thing with like, oh, come on, let them stay up, right? And whoever is only visiting twice a year, it's like, I can let them stay up, but they will open their eyes at 545, you know, either way. And then I'm dealing with the cranky baby the entire day the next day because people outside the situation, I felt like I was like the watcher of the wall, you know, for the larger, yes. You were Hodor. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's complicated when then you're made to feel like a buzzkill when you know you're correct. And it's definitely not great if you have, which I never have, but if you have the other parent in that situation saying like, oh, well, I'd let you stay up, but mom says it's bedtime. And I think it's often not, I mean, some people have it with the other parent, but people often have it with grandparents, right? Like, oh, mommy won't let you have this. Yes. So my take, which I realize is not for everybody, but I will offer it anyway, is that's fine. It is completely fine for me if the kids eat nothing but sugar for the two weeks they spent with their grandparents. It's not a battle I'm interested in fighting. And stay up late and go crazy and are cranky. And I'm like, yeah, well, this is what happens. This is why we don't run it this way. But are you left holding the bag? Like, I would have a problem with being like, okay, sure. Nope, there are no rules. Fine, fine. Good cops rule. But then you're left like, carrying the cranky children while everybody else goes to the beach, but the baby needs to go to down for the nap sooner because they stayed up too late. I always felt like I'm left holding the bag for these choices the next day. I get that. We had a summer where my kids were visiting relatives and they were eating literally so much ice cream that one of my kids developed like a gastrointestinal problem. (laughs) Who knew? And I was like, yeah, see, this is why we don't eat ice cream four times a day because your butt is really not going to thank you for that at a certain point when you have had diarrhea for two days. It's not that you have to let it get to that point at every time, but I think fundamentally the problem with bad cop is that you feel like everyone gets to be fun except for me. Yes. And that that is a story that doesn't necessarily need to be totally true. Julia Austin is a freelance writer, and she wrote an article, I'll put the link in the show notes, laying out sort of all the different ways in which this can be not a problem, but it can become a little bit toxic between parents when this dynamic is playing out at home. And so anyway, she names a whole bunch, but one of them was, I read this and like, yes, that's it exactly, that the good cop gets to relax at events. And I can think of a particular party, you know, an example, like you get to a, a party and there's kids around and there's people. And my oldest son was just learning to walk that maximum danger, sticking their finger in sockets and, you know, just doing anything. And there was a buffet and, you know, my husband had gotten his food and I say, can I go get my food? Watch the baby. Sure. No problem. I leave the room for 45 seconds and come back and find my toddler gingerly like stepping out into space on the first step of this rickety basement staircase that he was in no way able to navigate. And I grabbed him by the back of the shirt and caught him just in time. And my spouse was like having a beer over in the corner. When we got to events, it was his job to kick back and have a good time. And it was my job to, you know, monitoring with a diaper bag and not relaxing for a second. True. And I mean, I was mad that the kid almost hurt himself. He did not hurt himself. But it's also like you don't even get that the reason that you can relax is that I am so uptight every second. Like I'm literally enabling your beer, you know? Well, that's right. You get to be labeled as the uptight when anyone else gets to have fun. Right. 
I don't have fun at events. Like, that's right, because you do get to have fun at events. Yeah. My husband and I have worked out a system of point person. We usually make that decision before we go anywhere. I'm like, I'm going. It's my family. I want to visit with people. You're point person today. Yeah. And that definitely has helped us some. Okay. You're here to visit with your family. I'll run point. But I also think I lay gently in your path (laughs) that the amount of anxiety that we bring to these situations is sometimes too much. Right. I know for myself, for example, we go to the lake and there's a boat that everyone likes to go out on and have fun. And I find myself on that boat to be the person who's like, there's another boat coming. This baby is sitting too close to the edge. It makes me extremely anxious to be on a boat with little kids. I don't like it. So I have stopped going on the boat (laughs) and the kids come off the boat fine every time without my 300 suggestions about what's dangerous about having kids on a boat. Mm -hmm. Because Sometimes I have to recognize that my slightly martyrish, I have to do everything thing is actually just me manifesting a tremendous amount of anxiety in a situation where it's not actually the most helpful. Mm-hmm. My looking around corn, it's like, you guys are just enjoying yourself, but this kid could fall off into the engine. And it's like, well, they could, but they're probably not going to. And like, we are kind of enjoying ourselves. Yeah, that's a tough one for me. I like the idea of like, you could not go and keep the baby home and, you know, enjoy the baby's nap and read a book and wave to them when they come back. If that's really easier for everyone. Yeah. You know, if you're managing a three, two and one year old on the boat, maybe you do need to be in that mode. But I also think it's one of the many situations where you can want people to be as anxious as you are and as seeing around corners as you are, but they're not. So that way madness lies. Whenever you're in a situation of like, this would work if you were as diligent as I am about looking for danger, and you're saying that to your spouse who is not that way, it's not going to work out. I think it's natural that these rules sort of develop, but then like it can get complicated. For sure. Can I walk you through some of the other things that Julia Austin suggests? Because I thought there were some good ones. Sure. She's kind of anti-good cop, but we'll get anti-bad cop in the end. I mean, maybe we already have, right? Because nobody wants to... The bad cop is kind of the one nobody wants to be around. And like, then you feel sorry for yourself, but you understand why as well. She says that the good cop can become a problem when the good cop just comes in and takes over the fun moments and doesn't sort of hand the keys to the bad cop. Like when you are the one who's always, come on, guys, we're leaving with this, with this, you know, and you don't get to be the one who lets them have ice cream, who lets them open the present, who tells them they're getting a puppy. You know, the person who is the good cop in the relationship gets a little bit used to that. And when there's good news to share, fun times to be had, naturally sort of jumps in and takes over because that's their warm bath, right? That's where they're comfortable. But don't sort of include the bad cop. And that's like, oh, here's where I come in. But the good part is starting. This is me. Right. Fun time. Yeah. Yeah. Time to pick out a movie, you know, instead of, you know, come on, let's all do this together. They will, um, you know, just sort of take over at those times. That makes sense. That sounds familiar. For sure. And then the kids start to want to spend more time with that parent, can start to favor that parent, the one who's going to let them do things. Yeah. You know, who's going to let them stay up late, who's not going to give them a hard time about things. And she says, the bad cop feels pushed to the side, even though she's the reason these kids have been kept alive to see another day of (laughs) snuggling or drawing. Obviously, one group of people who struggles with this is people who are not co-parenting. Yes. People who have a good cop, some parent they share custody with. Yes. Totally tricky. And that... Right. It's like, oh, let's go over to dad's where it's candy and movie and ice cream all night and then come back to mom's who's like, oh, my God, you have to do your paper and get this stuff done because you didn't do anything over the weekend. I have seen friends of mine go through this and kids do understand this in the long run. 
Kids do see this picture correctly, but it takes a long time and that's hard. They get later, you mean, that like, oh, the reason I got to do whatever I wanted to do at X parents' house is because Y parents' house was the one who was making sure I showed up for school in time? Yeah, because my dad was kind of really immature and my mom was like really working hard. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like this is a long game thing and that your temptation to fix it in the moment by screaming in your kid's face, you only get to have fun with dad because he's a moron is not the right way to go. Right. And that the long game is important on this stuff too. Really important. And that even if you are married, it's like, you know, dad can throw the baby 65 feet in the air. Mom knows the feeding schedule, you know, like your kids do kind of get that eventually, you know? Yeah. And I think it's a common thing, don't you, in divorce that the parent who spends less time with the kid in custody arrangements is less aware of when Little League starts this year. And so I think tries to develop a relationship and maintain relevancy and importance in their kid's life by being the time Charlie. Like it's, I understand why it develops. Even I was in a long distance relationship once. And one of the biggest problems with our relationship is we never addressed any problems because when we were together, we just wanted to have a good time, you know, so that it makes sense. It's not because people are terrible people. It's because... Well, we only get this limited time together, so I don't want to spend that time being like, you really need to buckle down on your grades at school. Like, I want us to have a good time because our time together is limited, and that makes sense. And I think there's a really important aspect to this. So let's take a break. We'll be right back. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky, and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to staying optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, 7 essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate. Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H dot com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used hero bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer 
protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. In the family justice system, disputes involving children are considered especially confusing. These are their stories. Okay, tell me exactly what happened. She took the iPad, even though it was my turn. But but he put the iPad on and just walked away like he wasn't even playing with it. Okay, well, I guess if you put the iPad down, then she's right that you gave up your turn. Give your sister back the iPad. But I only put it down because I had to go to the bathroom. No, wait, the bathroom is definitely an exception to the abandonment clause. Okay, give him back the iPad. But, but mom, he wasn't going to the bathroom. He went outside. Wait, what? You were outside? Okay, give her back the iPad. I just went outside to get my backpack from the car so I could do homework after screens, which is what you told me to do. Okay, you know what? Give him the iPad. Yes. No, no, it's my turn. Aha, you lose. You know what? If you're going to be nasty about it, give her back the iPad. What? This is so unfair. Give me that iPad. This is so unfair. You know what? No one gets the iPad. The iPad's going in the garbage. We're moving to the woods where there are no iPads. We're going to live off the grid forever. Toddler Justice, coming to you all day, every day, seven days a week. This is so stupid and unfair. This is the kind of issue that for me comes down to like, what is a constant and what is a variable? What is changeable about this and what is not changeable about this? Okay. Because the conflict lies in like, I want my husband to be a person who worries about where the kids are going to camp two summers from now. (laughs) That's not going to happen. Or what happens Monday. That would also be good. Or what happens Monday. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, I think part of finding happiness in your life and especially your marriage is what is a variable here? What can be changed? And I think one thing that can be changed is spaces and places. This has helped my husband so much in this. One of my kids is involved in scouting and I have handed that over to my husband completely. And whether he wants to good cop it or bad cop it, this gets easier as your kids get older because it's not just like, oh my God, the first five years of, oh my God, keep them alive at all costs. As they get older, I feel like my husband and I try to find entire arenas where we operate independently. Now, I will say there's a deadline coming up for a sleepaway camp that needs to be filed. I did put it in big red letters on the calendar and I will remind him like that deadline's coming, that deadline's coming. But your two choices in that situation, my two choices in that situation are let him fail and be furious at him or like offer some support, but basically let him handle it. And I choose the latter. I'm going through this with, you know, one of my teenagers right now. I have a particularly sort of sparry relationship and it has been suggested to us that we work on that by not having me always be the one, the keeper of the, did you remember this? And did you do this? That my spouse needs to do more of that. And of course, the way the like workload in our relationship breaks down, it's me being like, did you tell him to do this? Did you do that? <laughs> There's a form due Tuesday. Can you go tell? You're like Tony Hale yes. from um, Veep. You know, you're just following around being like, this is who's coming up. This is her name. This is her job. 645 years a Zoom call. Can you please tell? Yes. And so we're doing that. And that's not great either. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a big step back. So we have something in this teenager's life that my husband is supposed to be totally taking over right now. Like, okay, you guys handle it. You let me know how it goes. And of course, it is 
made 0% progress over the last two months. And yeah, it's something I'm working with now, like as the bad cop rule keeper, can I just let this not happen at all? I'm not sure about that is the answer to that question, but I'm considering it. And that's the question you should be asking yourself. I'm not able to handle my anxiety on a boat, so I just don't go. And they have a much better time without me. But also, I think that we have to hold that responsibility of, let me tease out, my husband has been handling breakfasts in our house. He does not feed the kids a breakfast that fits my 86 parenting books about what is a good breakfast for kids in the morning. Would it go on Pinterest? (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) It would go on like breakfast of shame, basically. (laughs) But it involves a protein, a fruit, and a carb, basically. Mm -hmm. But part of it is what is going to happen if I stop controlling every aspect of this kid's life? My fear is that like, he's going to this, it's going to that, and like tease that out all the way. How much do I care that my kids are having like a somewhat processed and not very variant breakfast in the morning? I don't care that much, I guess. You know, you can either control every single outcome or you can get to be the good cop sometimes and you can't have both, you know, Mm -hmm. you got to kind of reckon with, okay, am I allowed to let go of outcomes when my husband is in charge of sending my daughter off to school? She looks like an extra in Annie, like the 17th orphan who got forgotten, you know, but... Am I allowed to let go of my need to control that outcome? My daughter should look like a clean human being for school. Or do I want to get to be good cop sometimes? You know, like there's some of these things are a little bit mutually exclusive. There's a difference between safety and, you know, was her hair brushed, right? And you're right. You need to look for those moments and hand that stuff over a little bit. And I liked what you said before about if it's your family's party and you're going, you got the diaper bag and the baby, like have that conversation on the way there, not 45 minutes into the party under your breath. Like, can you watch him for one second? Because I haven't even, like, don't wait until it gets to that point. State that stuff that's important to you when you can be calm about it and direct and you have your parenting partner's full attention Because if they are a good time, Charlie, once they get to the party, they're going to be in the middle of the conversation. Everybody wants to be around that person. Yeah. And we just recently took a family trip for the first time since COVID. And my kids are now 12, 10, and 8. And we haven't done a family getaway. Like we went to Boston to look around the city. That's like a different kind of trip than we almost ever do. But I realized like the last time I did it, they were 10, 8, and 6. And my husband, as I've said, he's a little bit of a Mr. Magoo. You know, he's kind of in his head a lot, you know. And so my fight with him is like, you're not even paying attention. And the kids could just walk into traffic and you're busy, you know, reading your brochure about the Ben Franklin's house or whatever. And he is sort of like, the kids are 8, 10, and 12. They're not going to walk into traffic. And I have to listen to that a little bit too, you know? A little bit, yeah. Like, okay, my justification that like these kids could be killed by a meteor at any second. Like, I'm not always right because I'm on the side of safety, you know? Like, he can be right too. I was going to say ages and stages, but it's like spaces and places, I guess, is what you're saying right here. Spaces and places and... And you're right. And a 12-year-old is not a two-year-old. You're right. Yep. If you're hardened into these rules, if you have over time become like the action figure hardened in amber that is always the worrier of all the things. I have a friend... We were really young. My friend had a baby when we were really, really young, and we would just totally crack up at her mom because her mom would walk in. This is back in the day where you had a milk crate full of CDs on the wall, you know? And 
She's like, well, that milk crate could fall and the CDs could fall on the baby. And, you know, the door could slam and it could hit the baby. And we were always like, the TV could turn into a dragon and the, the dragon could breathe fire on the baby. Like, yes, you intrinsically have that mother's instinct to search for danger, but it doesn't make you always right. Yeah. I can tell you're not totally sold on that point. Well, no, I, I'm just thinking about like, how do you come to a decision with your other parent? about how you're going to play this stuff. You need to parent as a team because in the end, the kid will pick up on it when one parents, you know, give them a hard time and one parent lets them do whatever they want. They are going to use that to their advantage, particularly when we're talking about like divorced parents, right? Like it's, yes. even if you are co-parenting with a parent who is like this and be like, I'll let you do whatever you want. I'm sorry. You know, that's what your mom was going to tell you. If you're dealing with that parent, like the way at this might be like in the long run, it is much better for certainly our child and both of us, if we have pretty much the same rules at both houses, right? Like for sure. Parenting as a team, presenting a unified front is the goal. And so I'm thinking about how can you move the needle and parent as a team? But yeah, I guess I am a little resistant to like the solution being just worry less, mom. Stop worrying so much all the time. It's definitely not, but I think it's both. I think it's saying like, these are my boundaries. This is how I want things done. This is how they will be done. But I think a healthy part of that process is being like, are my boundaries as reasonable as I think they are? Mm -hmm. Because I found myself on this Boston trip. Sometimes I would say, I always know I'm in trouble with my husband when I'm like, honey, comma, you idiot, comma, statement, you know? And I found myself a little on this trip of like, you're reading the map and the kid could just dive off the dock at any minute. And he was sort of like, why would a 12-year-old suddenly dive off a dock into Boston Harbor. Like what some of the things you're worried about in this space are not actually valid. We say this all the time because we have three kids. When we separate or when we're in motion, I always say to my husband, you've got two, I've got one. We use that language all the time. Like you've got three, I've got none because I'm going to the bathroom. Love that. So that before we separate, it's like, who's in charge of who? I am a very anxious person and I just constantly find myself trying to work against it. That like, you guys were running in the aquarium and that's against the aquarium rules and how could you? And my husband's sort of like, it was kind of fun and it didn't really bother anyone, you know? And that's also sort of reasonable. So I find being the solution for me often means just checking in a little bit about whether or not my bad cop is a little out of control. Yep. And that's the sort of parenting for an audience, right? Like, do the people in the aquarium think that your children are the best behaved children at the aquarium today or ever? Or is somebody like, those children are running, you know? Right. But if, if your value, which both of us definitely have, it's a value for us that the people in the aquarium will sing the song for years to come of the best behaved children they ever <laughs> met in an aquarium. They're like, I, I still remember it back in how effortlessly 21. I met these kids in an aquarium and they never ran. That's not a value of my husband's and that's fair. You know, it makes me think that you can have the unified approach but that there needs to be more shorthand around it. I'm coming back to like your dad's poem as being sort of the way through this. I have a friend who was one of 13 children. Oh, God bless the mama. This friend came over for dinner recently. He's a grown man, and he just like regaled my children with stories of being one of 13. And my favorite story that my friend tells is there'd be, you know, 13 of them sometimes at the table with the parents. You know, of course, as they got older, somebody had soccer practice or whatever. But if somebody did or said or started something, one of the 13 kids did something that wasn't supposed to be happening, the dad would point to them and he'd go, I have to see if I can whistle. <laughs> like this guy would whistle. He'd go, you do that? And it just was this... He'd do, he'd do that and then he'd point to the stairs 
And that was, you're done, go upstairs. And it was on... You're out. Arguable. And it was like, that's definitely like good cop, bad cop. And his dad was the bad cop and his, you know, but that was the discipline in their house. That was like the whistle and the pointing to the stairs. That's how I was growing up. My mom was full-time bad cop, but when my dad bad copped, man, you did not. It was scorched earth. It was Dracarys. It was like, when my dad brought out the bad cop, it was run, run for your life. Yeah. And I'm not saying we go back to it, you know, a place in time where children were actually afraid of their parents, but there is sort of a less hovering, less talking about it, right? Non-verbal. There's an approach here. Start reciting the weird poem. Start reciting the weird poem. There is an option that like, this is the signal and both parents are behind it, right? Like if you disagree, if you think that wasn't worth a a whistle and being sent upstairs, you talk about it later, I guess. But there's less talking about it. For sure. And I think we've solved it. But I do want to say before we wrap that we came in talking about good cop, bad cop. There's a lot of legitimacy to the idea of like moms have to be the bad cop it is not fair other people get to have a good time while we have to make sure everything's okay because I have been struggling with this a little bit myself and trying to find my way out of that story I've spent a lot of the episode talking about like taking responsibility for your story and getting away from that it doesn't mean to say that like it doesn't land on you it's not fair it's not fun to have to be the bad cop and like yes moms get stuck in that role much more often it's just in processing it today, I ended up, because of probably where I am at in my own marriage and parenting relationship right now, at a place of like, let me examine my role in this. But I don't mean to say to people out there, like, this is all your fault, because it's not. But the reset is up to you. And the reset is probably best done, you know, offline with your spouse on the way to the party, not once you're already there, you know, with a glass of wine at night, not, you know, while the baby's crying. And don't let yourself fall into like, it's always me, the martyr role, because that will stay unappealing to your family and children. Mm-hmm. I know how to have fun, but I'm also not going to let my boundaries be messed with. Your kids will see in the long game that you were like, you were on point. Mm-hmm. Every one of my friends I've seen that happen with. Like, good time, Charlie, dad. Guess what? People grow up and they're like, oh, dad was kind of a goofball and mom really held it together. <laughs> They'll see it. Solved it. They'll see it in the long run. Solved it. I am going to put that poem in the show notes because I'm going to memorize it. I'm going to baffle my children. Whatever burrows disturb the street. Yeah, I mean, try it out. It's horrifying. I don't know why. It's total nails on a chalkboard. Friends, today we want to ask you to rate our podcast. Go out, tell people what you think of it. Go to Apple Podcasts, rate and review. Yeah, or wherever you're listening, you can rate and review. Wherever you listen, there should be rating because we need to keep spreading the word about podcasts and we need your help with that. So find somewhere to rate and review the podcast. Go off and be your good cop or your bad cop self. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and 
I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.